is up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I am your host, as usual, Olin, aka MMA Anomaly. And with me, as usual, here to my, what is it, right on screen, left in real life, we got Jive Turkey Nano. But as you might notice, we have a new fresh face in the mix, Cousin yeah, Kev. Yeah. Go ahead and introduce yourself. How we doing? Ah, uh, man, these is my guys from back in the day. We was at the Yelp Trenches together in downtown San Francisco. You know what I'm saying? Everybody didn't elevate it since that time. I am Cousin Kev TV. I am the co-host of the Respect the Sample podcast. I am also going to the Arrow Spence and Terrence Crawford fight this weekend. So I wanted to come on with my guys and just talk some boxing. You know, I'm, you, they're usually talking about MMA, but we're going to talk about a little bit of boxing today. So I really appreciate you guys. I'm a big fan of the show. Appreciate you guys having me on. Let's go. Let's go. Happy to have you on, brother. Um, Dude, I, I'm so juiced for you that you're going to the freaking oh, fight. Dude. Legendary. Just, can you put into words how excited you are for this weekend? So, like for the last maybe month and a half or however it's been since uh, they announced it, all I've been watching is the documentaries. My wife's like, why you keep watching? Because I'm going to this fight. Like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, this is one of those fights where you didn't never you never thought it was going to happen, you know, because of. Because one thing about boxing, as opposed to MMA, is no commissioner. If Dana White tell your ass to fight, you're going to fight or you're going to leave the UFC. Shout out to uh, Francis Ngannou. But if Dana White tells you to fight, you have to fight the next person up. In boxing, they have so much more power. They, they make so much more money. They can go um, a year, year and a half without fighting. You know what I'm saying? Because they're eating off of that last fight. Now, with this fight, there's so many different promoters, you know, uh, Terrence Crawford was at top rank for a while. And then, you know, Errol Spence has been at PBC. They call it one side of the street, the other side of the street. And when you're dealing with different business negotiations, is the fight going to be on pay-per-view? Is this fight going to be on ESPN? Is it going to be on Fox? Is it going to, you know what I'm saying? The zone, like you, you literally think that this fight would never happen. But one thing about boxing this year, this might be one of the best years of boxing since the 80s, since you've seen all of the big fights on, this is before my time, I was a baby, but you've seen all of the big fights on a Tuesday night, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, you know, like all of the big fights will come on national television. Now you're starting to see it come back. We've already had Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis you already had um, uh, Caleb Plant. You already had uh, who, who else? Fought? Oh, Devin Haney, Lomachenko. These are fights that you didn't think was going to happen, bro. These are fights that have been negotiating and they've been running to each other backstage of, of, of the, the boxing matches and shit like that. Like, you just never thought that it was going to happen. And now this year it's like, bro, I'm a, a kid in the candy store. You probably could tell how juiced I am right now, man. I'm just so excited about this weekend. We flying out. I'm mad that I'm flying out a little bit too late. I wanted to go to uh, the weigh-in. I wanted the whole experience, bro. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I, I guess I'm going to have to do that with y'all when we go to a, a UFC fight. Because Nano already invited me. He said it's good. They come to Arizona. He said it's good. It's good. Let's lock go. It up. Let's go. Lock it up, brother. Ah, lock it in. Intro, lock it man. up. Uh, dude, honestly, I love your energy. I love your enthusiasm. And I, I can honestly tell you, if I was going to that fight, I would definitely be on the same decibels, my friend. Um, and, and like you said, just, just kind of to caveat off of what you said there, 
I think this has probably been the best year for boxing that we've seen in at least the last two decades. Um, 100%. Prior Hands to down. this, the, the closest thing to like a dream fight that we've gotten to the number of dream fights that we've gotten this year was like a, a Pacquiao versus Mayweather. And that was five to six years too late, folks. Like we all know that. So this these fights, not only are they the fights that should be happening, but they're happening at the time in which they should be happening. And that is something that we don't get often enough in boxing. And and I think that's the reason that we're seeing a major resurgence in the sport of boxing this year specifically. But also at the same time, bro, you're seeing a major resurgence because boxing was losing a lot of its fans to UFC because UFC was, like I said, giving you all of the fights you wanted to see. You wanted to see uh, Izzy fight everybody he fought. You know what I'm saying? When he fought Whitaker, when he fought, bro, when he fought everybody, I want to see him fight the South African. What is, he's, he's, he's hurt. Trick is Duplessis. Right? Yeah. He's hurt. He's hurt though right now, right? I think so. Uh, yeah, he's out. He's out for a little bit. But, but I, I got to say, Dude, Izzy, Izzy had the best nickname. I don't know if you saw the trash talk on Twitter. He called mm. him Dickless Dupussy. <laughs> <laughs> Izzy's savage with it, man. He's savage. What a legendary response. Oh, man. He might be one of the best trash talkers in sports, bro. Oh, bro, he's, he's the so best. Fun. He's the best. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah like, but like I was saying, bro, like you, you get all of those fights and a lot of people were getting fed up with boxing. You know, Canelo ain't fought nobody real in years, for real, for real. Because one thing about boxing, like, the their stars shine so bright, it doesn't matter if they're fighting a journeyman. They're going to still get 40 M's. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's the worst part of it, is they can get away with doing that. Like, they can fight an absolute tin can of a man and get paid so much money, dude. <laughs> Yeah, bro. And protect that record, protect that zero, right? Which two of these guys are putting on the line. You love to see it. Two guys that are pound for pound for pound. You talk about that a lot in the UFC nowadays. It's kind of a new school thing, but they talk about in boxing as well. And Terrence Crawford's up there, right? But Errol Spence is knocking on the door, man. It's a fun one. Yeah, I'm just like like I'm like you were saying, bro, protecting that O. And I feel like everybody's trying to be Mayweather, but Mayweather actually fought everybody. It wasn't nobody in his era that he didn't fight. He didn't duck anybody. In this era, people want that Mayweather money. They want the, they want the, the pretty boy. Uh, they want the money Mayweather money, but they don't want to do what pretty boy Floyd did. Pretty boy Floyd, he was getting hit. He was fighting everybody. It wasn't until he got older, his, his wrist started hurting, and you know he got a, he, he got a, 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 a step slower that he started fighting with a more defensive style, but he used to mix it up. Go watch that Zab oh, Judah fight. You know what I'm saying? Where, that's where a straight people, fact. Bro, people say that that was the one time that he got dropped. You know what I'm saying? They didn't count it, just like they didn't count Terrence Crawford when he got dropped by Mean Machine. But you go watch that fight, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was he was losing that fight at the very beginning. Zab Judah, that's one of my favorite boxers. He's a dog. Southpaw, just as fast, if not faster than Mayweather. And you had to see him make some adjustments, but that's why Mayweather is who he is. That's why Terrence Crawford is who he is because of the adjustments. But also, you can't sleep on uh, the the adjustments in the pedigree, the Olympic-style fighting of Errol Spence as well. Two very, very different Facts. styles when it comes to these two guys that are going to be stepping into the ring against each other. Now, like, I mean, just like you said, you can't you can't sleep on the the skills and the arsenal that Errol Spence brings to the the square ring, right? Um, do you, uh, first question here, do you think that the odds are appropriate here? 
Right now, they're currently sitting at plus 120 underdog for Errol Spence Jr. and uh, minus 150 for Terrence Bud Crawford. I think that they are absolutely correct because I'm betting a big bag on Errol Spence. So I hope the motherfuckers get up. Let's go. Let's go. I love that bet. One thing about it is I don't understand how Errol Spence is the underdog. He's fought the better competition. Um, I, I really think they're they're over analyzing the the car accident that he was in and the torn retina. Uh, I think there's understand. one more caveat to that though. It's also that hundred percent knockout rate since moving to welterweight for his opponent. But who has he fought though, bro? That and that's fair. That's fair. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm I think that most people that are reading into that may be reading into it a little bit too much. But yeah, I do bro. think that that's factoring into the odds a little bit as far as Vegas odds play out. Yeah, I, I think Vegas know what they're doing, though, you know, like they always do. But with, with Bob Arum, they say he got the best matchmakers in boxing. A lot of his fighters haven't fought nobody. And then when they actually start fighting people, you start seeing like, oh, he was he was trash. I was trying to figure out like and I, I kind of want to ask you guys this question. You see Terrence Crawford, Terrence Crawford. He won a belt at 135, undisputed at 140, knocked everybody out at 147. He's a champion. He's undefeated. Is there anybody that you guys can kind of uh, compare that to in MMA when you thought he was really that dude? Then he fought that dude and ain't looked the same since. And you really start looking at his resume after the fact, like uh, he really ain't fought nobody. Um, I'll let you go ahead and take the lead on this one, Nano, and and I already have a couple names in my back pocket. That's interesting. That's interesting. My first thought is, you know, and I'm thinking of Terrence Crawford as right now is one of the best, you know, pound for pound. He's gone a couple different weight classes. He's savvy. He's got good footwork, you know, kind of a savant in there, you would say. The first name that came to mind in my head was like a Jose Aldo, a little bit older veteran, someone that's, you know, been around the block. I mean, outside of a couple losses, and really the one loss to Connor kind of changed him a little bit yeah. mentally. Also, his trajectory and even just his people forget like he has the he still has the longest win streak at featherweight, I believe, or most title defenses, I should say, not win streak. My mistake. Um, but Jose's a stud. I don't know. That would be my comparison there. But I'm curious to hear your take on that, Olin. That's a great question, by the way, Kev. Let's go. So there's a couple names that come to mind. Um, the the first one that comes to mind might get me a couple of odd eyes, if I'm being completely honest with you, but Heenan Barrow. Heenan Barrow went on like a 10-year unbeaten streak. And I mean, there were some definite mixed-in names that are solid names, right? But you'd have to really search through his resume to find those names. Um, again, he went like 10 years undefeated. He did somehow rack up two wins, not just one, but two wins over Uriah Faber, uh, back in 2012 and 2014, also got a notable win by TKO, spinning back kick and then followed up with punches on the ground over Eddie Wineland. Uh, but then he got severely fraud checked when he fought a superior, well-rounded fighter in TJ Dillashaw. I was actually mm. the only person in my apartment and possibly in all of fucking North America that thought Ian <laughs> Burrell was going to get smoked. Uh, I remember Drew, Mystic Drew, was sitting in the living room. Uh, Mary was in there. Uh, so was her sister. And Drew looked at me and was like, bro, I know you've already told everybody you think TJ is going to win, but just like blink twice if you know you're wrong. And I probably went fucking like two minutes without blinking and then just looked at the TV and watched Hannah get fucked up for a long time in that fight. Um, I think the odds were like minus uh, or like plus 1200 uh, against TJ Dillashaw going into that fight. 
And TJ didn't lose a single fucking round. Every time he'd get hit, he'd come back stronger, and he just didn't know what to do with that forward pressure. I could see that similar kind of play and, and style versus style clash playing out in Errol Spence versus his opponent, Bud Crawford. And that's the reason I brought that one up first. Um, you have one guy that's, in my opinion, a fantastic counter striker, someone that can knock you out. He's got one punch power in both hands, and he's a switch foot fighter, which is a fucking gift to see nowadays. You just don't see it like you used to, man. Um, and I know you know what I'm talking about, Kev. And, and across from him, you have a guy that he's the Energizer Bunny, bro. Like nonstop pressure. He's constantly moving. His footwork is severely underrated in the welterweight boxing division, folks. Mm -hmm. Severely underrated. I'm not mad at you putting a bag on him, bro. Like it's it's not a bad underdog bet. Absolutely, man. And I like how you said that, uh, you know, it's, it's two contrasting styles. Like everybody say, oh, he hasn't fought nobody like Terrence Crawford. Well, Terrence Crawford he hasn't fought anybody like, like Errol Spence. Spence either. <laughs> That's you know facts. Olympic level boxer. Come on now. Amateur like Errol Spence been that dude. Like my family's from Dallas. So I've been I've been up on him for a while. Like, you know, since like the amateur days, he's golden gloves he he was really that dude for a long 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 time and just like a lot of american fighters for some reason we always get fucked over in the olympics when it comes to the belts you know what i'm saying we, it's a fact we, we go there get the silver medal you know andre where we get the you know bronze medal you know but we never really get that that gold roy jones some, jr also got fucked roy sorry jones. another notable name exactly bro sorry that's my guy bro hey, y'all must have forgot you good call must have forgot bro <laughs> Oh, for real? What, what he, was it? I think it was in South Korea, and he they gave they gave it to the fucking South Korean guy. Sure, that doesn't seem a bit right. odd when he got <laughs> fucking smoked. Come on. Right. <laughs> speaking speaking of Asian boxers, did you guys watch uh, Inoue? Nail Inoue. Uh, Fulton versus Fulton. Bro. Round stoppage. Bro. Yes. Absolutely. So I didn't even know who the fuck this dude was. Are you kidding me? The monster. No, but no, I I knew no. Let me let me let me step back. I knew who he was before yesterday, two days ago, whenever whenever you fought. Um, but it was maybe about a year or two ago, and I'm like, bro, who the fuck is this Asian dude on the on the pound for pound? Like I've never even heard of this dude before. Who has he fought? I started looking up some highlights. I'm like, oh, he the truth, right? But one thing about like those super, I, I say any weight under 130, for one, they don't get as much love. Um, you know, the, the, the more you weigh, the more in boxing, um, and MMA and, and the, in MMA, I was going to yeah. say like, yeah, the more rep you get, the more the clout more you, rep get. you get, you know, you knocking motherfuckers out. Like, you know, people are more scared of you and shit like that. So oh, yeah. what, what it is with him, I'm like, I don't know if his power is going to go up, you know, Stephen Fulton, he's from Philly, you know, Philly's a big fight town. You know, that's 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 really, uh, uh, you know, Joe Frazier uh, right now. One of my favorite boxers, uh, Boots Ennis, is from there as well. Um, if you guys haven't watched it yet, uh, Steven Jackson, you know, Dub Nation, um, old school Dub Nation, we believe team. He has a uh, like a documentary style, like podcast or mini doc series on YouTube in Showtime. Okay. It's called Fight Towns. So he went to Philly. Oh, nice. He kicked it with uh, Boots Ennis. He kicked it with uh, Stephen Fulton. You know what I'm saying? And he goes. Steve, and Stephen Fulton's a beast, bro. Like he doesn't he go is. down like that ever. But that's the thing. Like, dude, that was that your first, uh, the first fight of uh, Nao in a way that you've seen. 
um that was the first i didn't i didn't even i didn't even watch the fight bro like oh I, bro I, oh my god okay i already did a breakdown I, I, I didn't do a breakdown on it but i have a breakdown uh, a video that in my opinion leads to exactly why you saw him go down the way he did um i'm actually just working on uploading it and rendering it right now so that way i can show it to you live okay um so yeah, basically it's yeah let me let me uh let me run Hell this copyright yeah. disclaimer real quick all right so boom so look at how he does this okay he's constantly peppering with the body jabs okay yeah, constantly movement. constantly constantly hitting them over and over again and just it again i this is a, a bit of a drag on video it's going to go on for about 45 seconds but again he did this for seven look and a that. half rounds poke him poke him poke him poke him and he maybe threw like four follow-up overhands or follow-up crosses after that body hook or the body jab and he was constantly fishing for the right one never throwing power into it until the one he threw that set him down on his bottom mm. and you can see it happen clearly in round eight he's again just constantly peppering him up that one uppercut missed and he's again finding his timing finding his reading he does this every fucking fight dude it's the best thing about it so the kid is young he's very stout he's really strong oh. and there's the knockout punch. Oh. It just comes over here. We'll go again. He's so fast for the mark, man. He just Boom. took his wheels off him. I, I, how do you how oh. do you feel about that knockout? Because that second that second punch was after he touched his glove. So he thought, okay, boom, I'm knocked down. I'm not expecting Ooh. this. I know, I know the, the first rule of boxing is protect yourself at all times. But that wasn't an illegal punch. I'm not mad at that at all. No, it's not. It's not it's not it's not illegal at all. But do you think that has something to do? You think he would have been able to to come back in that fight if it wasn't for that second punch or I mean the I way the know. second the way that cross landed right across the side of the jaw connective mm. tissue, he was hurt, dude, and he was going down in slow motion. The Maybe ref might he would have gotten it. up. But I think would, the ref, if he would have gotten up and, and made the belt, it wouldn't have been very long before he got dropped again. Yeah, but that that clip just shows you like how strong Fulton's draw is because he's oh, hopping yeah. on the rope. He's hopping on the ropes like he won already. Oh yeah. Anybody, anybody else, any other fighter that he would have fought is down. It's over with. You know what I'm saying? Japan going crazy. Yeah. But you know he got up. You know what I'm saying? Like a, like the dog that he is, but. He just ran into a bigger dog, you know. He ran into Facts. a shih tzu, you know. And that's that's, that's the thing, bro. Sheesh. <laughs> that's the thing, bro. Like th that guy, his nickname is the monster for a reason. I advise you, if you're a boxing guy, go back and watch some of his. Even if you don't watch the whole fights, just watch some of his highlights from his old fights. Um, I I can't say that I've watched his entire career, but that's someone I've been high on for at least the last like four years or so. That's what's up. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a he's an absolute stud. Now I want to I want to see him come to America. But I seen um I don't know how true this was, you know, uh He might fight Tank next. That that's what I seen. What? Bro. That's what I seen. I love for that. That's what I seen. At Let's go. Weight, at what weight would Tank go back down to 130? I think they'd probably think do a catch weight at 135 or 130, like maybe 133 or something. I don't know. I don't know that he'd come all the way back down to 130 for it. Okay. I don't I don't know if anybody um from 130 to 140 could take a tank davis punch like flush i don't think anybody can take that bro i don't think there's a lot of people at 147 that could take his punch bro i mean that's, that's nasty that's fair nasty he has right nasty now. strong yeah. punches and, and i mean 
way he plants when he throws is just disgusting. And it's something you don't see in boxing so much anymore. Uh, and his his liver shots are disgusting too, man. Yeah. Like the way that he digs to the body, we see people throw to the body. Like I just showed you that clip of Naoya Inoue. And he, he prods, he pokes to the body. Um, kind of the way Errol Spence Jr. does, right? Like exactly. Errol Spence doesn't throw power to the body, but he'll poke yeah. you all fucking day to set up other parts of his arsenal. 100%. Um, that, that's one of the things that I like a lot about Errol Spence Jr. Uh, I actually have on my notes that I took down, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, it's something I like to do when I'm watching, especially like these new age boxers that are kind of the legends of today is compare them to the legends of yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's definitely two legends that come to mind when it comes to these two fighters that are about to face each other this weekend. Errol Spence Jr. almost reminds me of obviously a much smaller shrunken down version of him. But uh, Thomas the Hitman Hearns, his style, the way that he moves with his body, his footwork, baiting you in, lulling you in, thinking like, oh, he actually doesn't hit that hard. Yeah, he does. (laughs) He doesn't throw power until he's ready for the power to hit and knock you out. And it's just a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing. But across from him, you got someone that is a significant counter striker that also has all the makings of a well-rounded fighter. And that's why he reminds me of Sugar Ray Robinson, not to be confused with Sugar Ray Leonard. Leonard, right. Sugar Ray Robinson is somebody that he had the finesse, but oftentimes, more often than not, you could tell like he had that kind of dog in him, bro. He wanted to to get nasty with you. And Crawford has shown that. Like he doesn't mind eating a couple punches if it means making you lean into one of his that's going to set you on your butt. Um, Again, it's a, no, it's a total a, clash of styles. Not, not to cut you off, Brody. Yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment. But one thing, and the reason why I'm betting a bag on Errol Spence is because he could set you down like Hitman, but he also has the chin of Marvin Hagler. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. And then also, war. A lot, people, a lot of people don't understand Marvin Hagler was he was a switch hitter. The way he would come in, yeah. he would he would pivot. So that's similar to Terrence Crawford. So it's really like a combination and a mixture of all of these other fighters. And that's why it's it's just really, I think, the fight of the century, bro. I'm, I'm more excited about this shit uh, than the, the Pacquiao and the Mayweather, partly because when I went to go to the Pacquiao and Mayweather fight, I just went to Vegas. My bag wasn't up then. You know what I'm saying? I've been, sta- <laughs> I've been stacking them. I'm actually going to Done the leveled fight up this now. time. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Level up. You feel me? Let's go. Yep. Absolutely. He's going to do it right this time. It's exciting as all hell, man. And and like we've talked about, right, they're both in their prime. You know, Crawford's 35, Errol's 33. I mean, right in that sweet spot, man. Both of them have every right to feel like they're the top guy. You know, uh, I think Spence is coming in with more belts than Crawford, I think, right? He has three coming in. Mm Mm-hmm. And man, stylistically, it's going to be fun, right? It's going to be how how is Crawford's movement? You know, is he going to be able to keep him, you know, on the outside, maybe Pepper, Spence, or Spence's, you know, kind of in the pocket, that kind of head down, almost like a Tyson in in there, willing to just trade and bang, but rip the body. And then, man, I mean, he he just, he peppers you, right? He, he's not someone that's going to maybe get the quick finish, maybe unless it's a liver shot or something, but I don't think that's going to happen, right? I feel like, you're going to see a lot of movement from Terrence. You're going to see, I don't know, you're going to see a lot. I mean, his head movement, his footwork, I mean, everything with him is, it's tough to figure out. It might be one of those things where they're going to be feeling each other out for a while. You know, it might be slow. It might be hard to judge the first couple of rounds. But once they start slanging him, oh, baby, it's going to be artwork in there. Like you said, it's going to be the best show in a long time that we've seen. I mean, one thing about uh, Terrence Crawford, you talk about his movement. 
it's it's easy to move when you don't have somebody tapping the liver tapping the liver you know what i'm saying hitting the draw hitting that orbital bone you seen what he did to ugas you know what i'm saying i still i still don't i still ain't seen ugas without uh sunglasses in public you know what i'm saying and that was about a year and a half ago so it's one of those things where you literally haven't seen uh arrow spence i seen arrow spence i can't remember the name of the fighter but he he caught arrow spence one time and he wobbled him right this was maybe about close to a decade ago. It's been a decade since I've seen this dude get wobbled. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to somebody like a Terrence Crawford, like I seen him get dropped. They didn't call it. Same way they didn't drop. They didn't call that uh, Mayweather uh, Zab Judah. I've seen this dude get dropped by um, Mean Machine. And then also I've seen him get, uh, get wobbled by Gamboa at 135. You can't sit here and tell me that Gamboa's strength is comparable to Errol at 147 when he really walks around at like 175, 180. You know what but I'm I saying? But I got to interject here. I got to interject. Not, not, Sorry to cut you off, brother, but Dustin Poirier is the biggest fighter that comes to mind for comparison's sake here. He used to fight at 145, and every single fight, I would joke with Drew because he's been my favorite fighter for a long time, um, I would say it's not a fight until he gets dropped at least once or twice mm. uh, because every single fight, Dustin Poirier would get dropped at least two to three times, and then he'd come back and whoop your ass. Um, yeah. Sometimes he wouldn't, but more often than not, he would. But then like when Char he went up- Charles Vera nowadays. Exactly, Charlie mm -hmm. Olives. Uh, but now that he's gone up to 155, he gets dropped literally like night and day different amounts. He, he very rarely gets dropped, and he eats much bigger shots from much stronger guys. So I, playing devil's advocate, have to challenge and say how much of that him almost being dropped was due to him- significantly cutting too much weight or more weight than he should have been um, okay. deteriorating his nutrition and bringing his chin down to you know kind of dangerous levels okay let me counter that gamboa okay. gamboa was when he wasn't really dropping weight that was the weight he was at 135 right 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 he grew, he, look he grew into 140 he wasn't getting dropped i think that's to me personally i think that's his natural weight it might be 147 might be his natural weight now that he's a 35 year old man but he got dropped by mean machine at 147. so he wasn't weight drained at all they're fighting at 147 on saturday you know what i'm saying and i mean that's that's fair but i mean still if if you're i mean a lot of these guys like i'll be honest i watched dustin poirier fight at 145 for almost a decade and I didn't think he was drained. And then when he went up to 155, I was like, fuck, dude, only 10 pounds more. He looks like a totally different human being. And at that moment, I realized he literally looked like Skeletor for 10 years. Yeah. And then there's all these interviews and he's like, oh, yeah, I was counting the ounces of food I was eating. If, if, any, if anybody's weight drained, bro, it's Errol Spence. It's fucked, bro. It's, oh, it's, dude. It's, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, Errol I'm not, not going to disagree Errol, with you there. Errol Spence started fighting at 154. You know Bro, if you look at that guy in any of his workouts, like he looks like he should probably be a weight class higher. Just there's no fat on him. Yeah. I feel like he can go up two weight classes. Easily. Errol, I mean, uh, Terrence Crawford. Hit that Roy started, Jones Jr. route. Yeah, but you don't want to come back down and, and get put down like Roy Jones ass either. You know no, 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 no. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do yeah, that. You go yeah. up. You just stay yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%, bro. And, and that, that hurt my feelings, bro, because that was one of my favorite fights. That is my You don't play fighter. this yeah, shit in boxing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, Too many. Up. Yeah, Roy Jones Jr. Was, is, is definitely in my top three boxers of all time. 100%. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, it's, but, it's, but, for me, it's probably him, Prince Nassim, Hamed, and uh, Mike Tyson. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you, you, you like them uh, real exciting fighters. I really hey, do, hey, though. Hey, 
Hey, people sleep you. on Prince Nassim. I just seen something with Floyd talking about, yeah, people to sleep on him. He might be one of the best UK fighters. He really came. He was going crazy in the UK. One thing about the UK boxers as opposed to the UK um, MMA fighters, a lot of them UK fighters, bro, when they come over here, they get their ass knocked out, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I, hey, hey. Hey, I don't I don't know what it is about them UK gyms when they come over <laughs> here, they get their ass slept, bro. But Prince Nassim, he came over here knocking shit out, dancing on motherfuckers. Like, oh, making it look easy. Bro, he was fun. Bro, I was watching a documentary on him uh, maybe earlier this week. Bro, all of the big, like, theatric walkouts, that was because of Prince Nassim. They yes, dude. Doing that before that, bro. No, you know dude. He's saying? the guy that started all that stuff. Walking out with like people singing him out and stuff, getting like eighteen people to carry him out like a fucking mm -hmm. prince from Egypt and shit, dude. Nobody was doing walkouts that were crazy until Prince Nassim created it. My grandpa, God rest his soul, fucking hated it when Prince Nassim <laughs> would fight, and I was over there because like I'd go watch boxing with my pop, right? Yeah. And he fucking hated Prince Nassim. Yeah. Every time Prince Nassim would fight. He would literally, if it was a pay-per-view, he'd make sure he bought it just to hope to see that guy get knocked yeah. out because he hated the fucking showboating. And me, little prepubescent me, I'm like, I like the tan guy. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> dude, like, I thought that dude was cool as fuck. Yeah. Like he'd literally pepper you with 15 jabs, dance on you. And then when you're like, why the fuck is this guy dancing? You were getting woken up two minutes later. Yep. And if you think about like somebody, even to this day, like Izzy, when he's coming out dancing and, and shit, you can trace It's that all back. Prince Nassim. Come on, bro. You know what I'm saying? All I'm, Prince I'm, Nassim, I'm, bro. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought him up, bro, because that's that's the only UK fighter, bro. When we was in my neighborhood, you know, like we would, it would always be big fight parties. My uncle would get the get the uh, get the fight. You yep. know, peep somebody could bring some food over. We'd be playing dominoes and shit like that on the block, and like the only non-american fighter that he's ever bought was prince nasim bro prince nasim big praise let's go that's Fucking a legend love prince nasim bro he is an absolute beast and the fact that his son has been training for a few years and is going to be making his pro boxing debut pretty soon mm. i'm pretty hype on it bro i don't i don't i'm not expecting him to be anywhere near the level of his dad but i'm not gonna lie bro i've been peeping his, his uh sparring footage and the pad work he literally looks just like his dad like a fucking clone and he, he he does have the rhythm bro he's got like the the little quick twitch movements if i see i'm not gonna lie bro if i see his son hit one of those little dance moves and knock a motherfucker out i'm probably gonna piss my pants <laughs> <laughs> hey man you can't you can't like the root and not like the fruit you know what i'm saying so, <laughs> I, I, I can't, it's I, a great I can't. reference I can't, I can't wait, man. I, I got absolutely. I, gotta I, I didn't even know he had a son that was boxing, you know. Cause, oh, you know, dude, a lot, yes. A lot He's of, managing a lot of boxers, him. A lot of boxers like to keep their kids away from it. You know what I'm saying? Especially boxing. I seen. Uh, he Terrence tried Crawford, to. I seen Terrence Crawford say he didn't want his kids um, boxing because, in you know, when you're when you're boxing, you can't play boxing. You can't play MMA. If no, somebody's it's a fight. Your ass, your dad can't come help you. You know what I'm saying? He's just going to have to sit there and watch you get your ass whooped. That has to be real disheartening, especially if you were a legendary fighter yourself. You know what I'm saying? So Bro, I never even made it to that level. Like I, I trained, I, I sparred, I fought in one Muay Thai tournament. And the worst thing I did, and like, if she's listening, don't be upset. But like the worst thing I did probably was invite my fiance there, right? Because I ate a leg kick from a dude that was 30 pounds heavier than me. 
and the leg kick hit me so hard my knee bounced off the mat oh, and in shit. my peripheral vision all i see is my fiance's mouth wide open her jaw mm-hmm. on the floor and no sound even being able to come mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. and like that's that's like you said like nobody can help <laughs> Here she is in the chat. She's listening. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey um, <laughs> this motherfucker trying to blame me now? No, no, no. There's no blame. There's sudden. no blame game. But no, like honestly, it's yeah, nah, it's crazy. You like like you said, like you can't play fighting. You can't play yeah. tournaments. You can't play boxing. And when you're eating those those shots, it you know, it's it's not only devastating for you, it's devastating knowing that, you know, your kids are seeing it, your parents Absolutely. are seeing it, your loved ones are seeing it, God forbid it's televised. Uh, and, mm. and, you know, like your friends are seeing it, your enemies are seeing it. There's yeah. just this crazy dichotomy of thought process that goes into fighting. And that's why the man in the arena is so important, right? Like yeah. um, Thomas Edison is the one that came up with the, you know, the, the long-winded quote of the man in the arena and why it's so important to praise the man in the arena. They're cut from a different cloth. Mm. And, they definitely don't want anybody, you know, that that they love to go through these hardships that they've already felt directly. Like, let me tell you, I, I'm a freak. I always joke and say, like, I enjoy getting punched in the face on a Saturday. And I do. But I wouldn't want my nephew to go do that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I hope not he's not fucking crazy yeah. like me. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I definitely hear that. It's tough, man. Yeah. It's like, even if you know, you know, all the sponsors and everything, you know, that they can make a living. I mean, jujitsu, all that's one thing, you know, as a passion, as a sport, even fighting, kickboxing, Muay Thai, all that stuff. I I love it. I get it. Karate. But it is tough. It is. It's like, you know, it's it's a tough commitment there. Taxing on the body. You you can make money, but it's a whole lot of people that got their ass whipped and they checking receipts at Walmart right now as well. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely. it's, it's, It's one of those situations where I feel like if your dad was in the game, then you kind of got a leg up because, you know, all the legendary uh, boxers, they fucking with you because you're and you have name value. your son. You know what I'm saying? The, the legendary trainers, even the promoters, even the, you know, sponsors, like you were saying, they go because of, of the name value. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, I don't. My, so we have a, a, a boxing gym um, in my city where I'm from in the Bay Area. It's Pittsburgh. Um, oh, James, let's go. James My first Craig. city in uh, California was Antioch. Was it? I didn't even know that. That's crazy, bro. Um, so James Page, um, he was a, a a boxer back in the '90s. He's actually a champion. So um, Jay Prince, Jay Prince uh, founded uh, Rap a Lot Records. Rap a Lot had Scarface um, in Houston. Every all the Houston rappers, right? So after James uh, Jay Prince made his money in um, hip hop. He took some of that and was like, okay, I can manage these hip-hop artists, but my first love is boxing. He started managing James Page from Pittsburgh. At one point in time, the two boxers that he had was Floyd Mayweather and James Page. You know wow. what I'm saying? Sheesh. You know, both, what an accolade. Both legendary champions. What so, a story. Let's go. So long, long story short, um, I'm down there. Uh, one of my homeboy, uh, Wally, he's like the general manager of the gym um he's a legendary barber out here wally but his son um he boxes so i'm down there watching them spar I take my take my daughters or whatever um amari jones which is our cousin um my my daughter's big cousin comes in there amari jones is signed to devin haney 
he fought on the undercard of Devin Haney and uh, Lomachenko at MGM. Let's right? go. That was, was a big there. card. I was watching that one. Let's oh, go. Yeah. That shit was crazy, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm happy we got, we got to see that fight. Um, so we're in there just watching them fight. So one of my homeboys, uh, Kale, shout out Kale, he just starts, uh, like, you know, put, putting, the, uh, putting the pads on. And my daughter's just, you know, she's taken to it. My daughter's tall. I'm 6'3". My daughter, I'm the short, and I'm the short person on my dad's side of the family. Um, I envy your height so much, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good. As long as you don't If I hear somebody say short king one more time, I'm going to fucking kill myself. <laughs> hey, hey, king nonetheless, say, brother. Still royalty. <laughs> hey, they, hey, they, hey, they could say short queen. You know there you saying? go. Yeah. <laughs> Continue with your story. <laughs> so, boom, she's in there and she's like, "I want to go like hit the bag." I'm like, "All right." So we end up going out of town like the next day, and then she's like, "When we go back, are we going to the boxing gym? Are we going to the boxing gym? Are we going to the box?" So, I kind of, I kind of feel like, "Damn, I, I want to get her in there," but at the same time, no, like, scared. Yeah, for sure. I'm nervous. Dude. I think it's I think it's always good because you know I I used to uh, study martial arts when I was uh, a, a child, but it's always good to just be able to. What know. discipline did you study? Facts. Um, just just regular karate, bro. You know what I'm nice. saying? I didn't I didn't take it too far, but my good foundations. One, look, one of my mom's uh, co-workers' husband, he begged me to stay, and he was like, "Bro, this dude is a natural. He's a womp. so." That was one of the things I, I regret. You know what I'm saying? Because I probably would have been out here talking a lot more shit if I could fight a little bit better, you know what I'm saying? But I still talk my fair amount of shit, though, you know what I'm saying? Don't get, there you don't, go. Don't get it twisted. But with my you, daughter... You, could, you I, can still throw them if you need to, you know what I mean? 100%. But so so, so when um, my daughter was... Int- I'm like, she she needs to learn how to protect herself, though. You know what I'm That's saying? That's the thing. Yeah, sure. it's facts. Needs to have at least a foundation. 1,000%. And, and it's not something that I pushed on her. It's something that she wanted to do herself, so... You know, be looking out for Zion, Zion McCree. You know what I'm saying? There we go. Let's go. We got the name. The amateur. The future undisputed champion of the world. <laughs> hey, one day. I love it, man. Hey, whatever their dream is, right? I guess that's the big thing, huh? He's got to support him. That's awesome. You know, best case scenario, she learns uh, just a boatload of self-defense and never has mm-hmm. to worry about herself. And you never have to yeah. worry about her getting into an altercation. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario. All of the above happens, but she also becomes a fucking world champ. Um, <laughs> Let's go. And then you have a fucking uh, head full of gray hair in the next 10 years because of it. Well, no, no, facts. facts. Hopefully we can have her on as a guest, too, at some point while she's uh, making yes. her rise. Remember remember us little guys, you know, when she uh, when she becomes a world champ. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I work in sales, so I'm, you know, I'm going to have to charge you guys. Come oh, on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you're for sure. For sure. Always be closing, baby. Yeah. Come on. ABC. Let's go. Triangle. Triangle of triangle. <laughs> I love it. Pivot. Oh, my God, bro. All right. Um, all right. So, obviously, you got Errol Spence going into this fight, right? Absolutely. 100%. Do you think he gets it done by knockout? <sighs> or do you think he gets it done via decision? So, with Errol Spence, he doesn't. It's been a long time since I've seen him just one punch knock out somebody. He really, in every press conference, he's talking about, I'm going to break him down. I'm going to break him down. I'm going to break him down. I'm, That's what wanna, I'm saying. He's a poker. He's a prodder. Yeah. I want to I make him quit. You know what I'm saying? So it might be it might be stoppage, like his eye. 
you know, his his uh his Oh, you think he's going to close him up before? Bro, I seen um Kell Brook. Kell Brook was washed when he fought uh Terrence Crawford and had that boy lumped up. He was really <laughs> he was he was losing the first couple of rounds, bro. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you 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 fighting Kell Brook. <laughs> uh Terrence Arrow Spence fought Kell Brook when Kell Brook was in his prime. After okay. he lost that belt in the UK to Arrow Spence, quit. You know what I'm saying? He, he got down on his knee and he quit in front yeah. of his home country. He said he was depressed after that. You know what I'm saying? He was an alcoholic. He was all this other shit, right? You're not the same person, bro. You know, no. with boxing and with, with anything in life, if you lose your confidence, it's over with. So oh, it's done. This he, game he is lost, 90% mental. He lost his confidence, bro. And then after that, maybe five, six, seven years later, then he fights Terrence Crawford and has that boy lumped up. So I'm like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it happening, bro. Like I know that, you know, Vegas has him as the underdog. Um, Errol Spence is the underdog, but I don't, I don't see Terrence Crawford being able to catch Errol Spence as cleanly as he's been catching um, the rest of his, uh, his opponents. But I, I think that Terrence Crawford is not going to be able to be durable enough to last the whole fight, bro. Uh, wow. and, 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 and Errol Spence, I like that analysis. Bro, Errol Spence gets stronger as the fight goes on. He does. He, his fight with uh, Sean Porter, the most shots that he, um, that he landed was in the 12th round. In the later like, rounds. I mean, bro, all across the later rounds, he, he typically tends to get stronger. He's like Max Holloway from the UFC. Like oh, in the yeah. first round, he's he's very low pressure, but then every single round, you add like fifteen to thirty percent to the volume that he's throwing. It's insane. It's like a Look, juggernaut, man. It gets better, and he so, doesn't lose accuracy as he increases uh, velocity, which is his, insane, bro. His his just just his conditioning in his mind is just ridiculous because so he got in that crazy, probably ninety percent of the fucking world would have died in that car crash. He came out no bones broken, right? I was seriously that, looking at the pictures again today, dude. It's insane. They're absolutely wild, bro. So that's not the crazy part to me. Not okay. Boom, you get in a car accident, you come back. This motherfucker didn't even have a personal trainer, a physical trainer, or a rehab, nothing like that. He was like, he listened to Eric Thomas, the motivational speaker, and then took his ass to the gym, bro. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, let me get back in the gym. Eric Thomas, shout out. That's a legend right there, too. My guy, like fucking take a break. <laughs> right. But but they was like when he was in the um he was in the hospital, he was he was still out of it. He don't even remember this. He was like, everybody, Al Heyman came, that's his uh promoter, and yeah. was like, Hey, I want to fight Terrence Crawford. I want to fight T-. in the hospital, fresh, like, <laughs> don't even look like you could fight ever again. It was like Al Heyman was like, Yeah, whatever. Dude. Fucking you know real what life Rock Lee, he's unconscious doing his fight stance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, come on! <laughs> Fired up, ready to go, huh? That's muscle memory. Yeah. I fucking do. I fucking love that, dude. Like, those are the best kinds of stories because, like, you can't question whether or not that young man likes fighting and likes what he does for a living. Like, not only is he willing to do it when he's not even one hundred percent there, but he wants the toughest guy. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about it, though, like, and why I think that Arrow Spence has one hundred percent confidence why he's going to win. Errol Spence is the draw. A lot of people, and it's left you like a real boxing fan. You don't even know who the fuck Terrence Crawford is. You know oh, don't do it like that, you Kev. Don't. You don't. Doesn't bro. Kev. You don't. Bro. 
You don't. You don't know who that guy is. Why? Because All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to take it as an insult because I'm a Terrence Crawford fan, but I'm also going to take it as a compliment because that means I guess I'm a boxing guy. Yeah, because I know who the fuck that is. Errol Spence did say he's the draw, though. I guess we got to no, acknowledge I mean, that. Make, make no mistake about it. You guys are both right. Errol Spence is the A side here. Like that's 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 a fact. The fact that he's the A side and he's the underdog is kind of bewildering to me. That's why I started the the whole thing off with. Do you think the odds are appropriate? Because I honestly think that it should be a pick em. I think it should be like minus 110 against minus 110, to be completely honest with you. like I think that it, it should be even odds across the board because like you said, and, and again, I say this, I, I like Errol Spence Jr. I think he's a fantastic boxer, possibly one of the best of our time in his weight class, respectively. But I think I like Crawford more. Um no real reasoning why. I just really like watching his fights. And uh I, so, so I really you think, love you the think, bottle up uppercut. You you think that do you think he's gonna win this fight though? I do. I think he gets a knockout in the seventh round. Okay. Whoa. Okay. So Mystic gonna, Mike over here prediction. I like yeah, it. I, I think he gets a knock I think he gets a knockdown maybe in the fifth or sixth round. And then I think Errol Spence, if he gets it in the fifth round, I think Errol Spence comes back and wins the sixth round. Comes into the seventh round confident maybe overconfident because he wins that next round after getting knocked down. And then he eats a haymaker uppercut in the pocket and just goes down. Oof. So you think the dude that you've never seen really buzzed like that is going to get knocked out in the seventh round. I've seen, I've seen him get, I've seen him get buzzed and I haven't seen him get dropped. Okay. But I've seen him get the blinks from shots mm. and he's, he's, he's gotten the blinks from shots that in my opinion, throw less precision strikes than the guy he's going to be facing this weekend. No, I get I get that for sure. But I actually seen Terrence Crawford do I seen him go leg. down too and I see I, I seen him go, go down, down to smaller guys. But again, I think I think maybe his nutrition wasn't where it needed to be and now he's at a better weight class. But again, I could be wrong, bro. You're definitely the the more boxing heavy guy here. So listeners go with this guy, not me. <laughs> No, I'm leaning with my boy Kev here as well. I think I'm going to give Spence the nod. The younger fighter, yeah, he's been through a little bit more adversity. I think he's proven mentally, which is kind of where it boils down to there. Outside of the physicalness, you know, if he if he can go in there and fight, I'm confident he's you know he's okay. So I'm expecting the mentals to be there. I'm expecting him to have just the Olympic, just the better foundation when it comes to a boxing perspective. And he's not going to make any mistakes. I think he's going to be smart. Exactly. He's not going to do those things that maybe Terrence would catch other guys doing, right? Yep. He's mm -hmm. not going to make those mistakes early. And I think he's going to be able to pepper and pepper him, take his wheels out of him by going to the body, you know, working the liver, working your way upstairs. You know how it is. I think it'll be a close fight. I think it'll probably go to decision, but I got to, I got to leave my boy Spence here on this one. Yeah, it's, it's either going to be a decision or um, Errol Spence is going to stop him. I don't see Terrence Crawford stopping Errol Spence. Just for the simple fact, like you said, he, Errol Spence is not going to fight Terrence Crawford the way he fights Sean Porter because Sean Porter is not known as a knockout artist, is not known as somebody that you know really loads up on his punches. I think Errol Spence has fought every single type of style. Errol Spence is stable. The, the sparring that he gets every day. He's fighting Frank Martin, which is Frank Martin, which is a, a, a southpaw. He's fighting um, uh, Charlo, um, which, you know, he, he has a tendency to switch as well. Like, there's nothing that you're going to do that's going, with his amateur background, with his Olympic background, that's going to surprise 
Errol Spence. How Terrence Crawford gets a lot of his wins is he starts off orthodox, then he switches to southpaw, and they don't adjust. Now you're switching to southpaw on a southpaw who's stronger than you. So all of your advantages are gone, bro. So we're going we gonna to have to see, like, who's going to make the, 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 the adjustments. I feel like he has the stronger chin. He has the better trainer. He has he don't 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 sleep on Derrick James, bro. It's a reason why Anthony Joshua came over there. It's a reason why Robert Garcia, I mean um uh Ryan Garcia came over there. It's a reason why Charlo is over there, bro. You know Charlo's a beast too. Bro, yeah. every every single last person that came over there, they not no chumps, bro. You know what I'm saying? No Frank Martin is a up and coming. And it's like you, you look at like somebody like a a, a a Steve Kerr or a Popovich, like it's not just the player. Tim Duncan wouldn't have been that player if he played for the Bucks, if he played for the Knicks. Like it's something, it's, it's, it's some tutelage. The, the Lakers didn't win until they got Phil Jackson. They had Kobe and Shaq the whole time. But when Phil Jackson came over there, they started winning. I feel like the you, you don't know any other fighter that Bomack trains, which is Terrence Crawford's. Um, I mean, the trainer. fact of the matter is, I think what you're saying is like, you can have the strongest tempered steel in the world, but if you have nobody to mold it into something useful, what do you have other 100%. than just a really, a really big piece of metal? 100%. And, 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 it's, and it's funny you brought up still. I actually wanted to bring up this point. Tank Davis. Tank Davis is a phenomenal puncher, right? When Tank Davis hits people, he knows what people look like when they're hurt, Right. Can we all agree on that? Absolutely. Shark that smells blood Agreed. in the water. Okay. So when they asked Tank Davis, who's going to win this fight? He was like, yeah, it's going to be a gunfight. But one of these fighters has a metal shield, and one of these fighters has a glass shield. That's Tank. Ooh, those are some heavy words. And he, and he said that uh, Crawford is the one with the glass shield? Absolutely. Your boy. Your boy. <laughs> your boy. boy. Uh-oh. That's your man. All right. We'll see, bro. That's we'll see. <laughs> that is my guy, bro. I'm telling you. I, I Look, look. I think I think his shield, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say glass. Maybe it's fucking wood, but, you know, being carved of wood ain't, ain't, so, ain't so bad, man. <laughs> it ain't metal. But, um, hey, what's his what's his uh, sword made of? And uh, is he going to be able to slip out of the way before he can even t- have that shield touched? My thing is this. Um, I think it's a clash of styles. It's a major clash of styles here, guys. Like straight up, I think the the biggest thing in this fight going into this fight is going to be the fact that one guy is a forward pressure fighter and one guy is a counter puncher. Mm-hmm. Those two styles make for a recipe for disaster for the forward pressure fighter nine out of ten times. That's the reason I'm going with the guy I'm going with, right? Like Errol Spence Jr. On paper, by all rights, my brain says he should win this fight. However. I think Crawford wins because the style's going into the fight. It's like, again, going into Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo, I thought Jose Aldo, on paper, should win that fight 9 out of 10 times. We saw the 10th time. And stylistically, that is the time that plays out more often than not, even though it's statistically wrong, right? And it's because that quick twitch movement beats the guy that's going to be coming moving in, especially if that quick twitch movement is paired with shot selection, fight IQ, and precise timing. Those are all three things that Errol Spence Jr.'s opponent presents when he's walking in against them in Terrence Bud Crawford this weekend. So I, I think it's it's going to be a really close fight. And I, 
Oh, man, I, I think you might see your boy get dropped. Uh, whether he wins or not, I think it's going to be a, a much closer fight than you're thinking. I do agree with what you said. It's going to be a gunfight. But I think I, it'll be close. I don't know, bro. So for the whole uh, counterpuncher argument, Danny Garcia was a counterpuncher. Errol Spence didn't take no tune-up. He got into a horrific car accident and fought one of the most dangerous counterpunchers at 147 and beat his ass. You know what I'm saying? That, wasn't, his ass. That, was, yeah. that, was, that wasn't a close fight at all. And he's a counterpuncher as well. I mean, he's not to the level of Terrence Crawford, but I feel like with his whole amateur background, his 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 fight IQ, just because he's not flashy and, and doing all this, he, he had a great analogy. He's Tim Duncan, and Terrence Crawford is KG. Last time I checked, Tim Duncan had five chips. KG had one. Fair. And I mean, like you bring up good points, but at the same time, with all due respect, Danny Garcia got his ass kicked. Like you said, not going to disagree with that. But Danny Garcia is also not fucking Terrence Crawford. He's somebody that lost a unanimous decision before that uh, to Sean Porter. So you're talking about somebody that lost a unanimous decision to a guy that's been beaten by not one of the guys going into this weekend, but both of them. Um, Again, like styles make fights. Uh, Like you said, he is a counterpuncher. He is a deadly counterpuncher, but... Again, I, I just think that he does not pack the the heat on his punches that Crawford has shown at this weight class. And he also doesn't have the shot selection as Crawford. Crawford has yeah. one of the better fight IQs I've seen in the last 10 years in boxing. As far as the way he's able to pivot and hit shot selection from any point in the fight, half the time he hits that uppercut knockout, he shouldn't be able to hit it. Right. But he times it so fucking well, the guy doesn't see it coming. And you know as well as anybody else, as a boxing fan... It's not the strongest or even the fastest one that knocks you out. It's the one you don't see coming. The one you don't see. Yeah, but also at the same time, though, like you haven't seen him really get his body touched up by nobody. I, nobody, I, I definitely don't disagree with that. And I think that's going to be a big telling factor is how he's able to eat or dodge those body punches in, Errol, in the first Errol, two rounds. Errol, Errol Spence and Canelo are the best body punchers in boxing Facts. right now. You know well, actually, do you want me to pull up the uh, Inoyo Inoue or Naoyo no, Inoue yeah, video yeah, again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put him in the yeah. convo. Yeah, he is too. The I monster's got to be part of that conversation, bro. The way that 100%. he touches the body to set everything up is disgusting. He is. He is. He is. He's top. He's top three. You know what I'm but saying? But I definitely, I'm, I definitely I'm agree with you, bro. And Arrow because they the, the long. Journey. Oh no, those yeah, those I've two, those two have been in the game for a long time, and they're absolutely not only are their shots really strong. But again, shot selection is always on point. And again, like the the way that they're able to land them across the fight, it's not just a one and done. Like the way Errol Spence Jr. does it, he starts from round one. And if it's a 12-round fight, he's doing it for 12 rounds. If it's an eight-round fight, he's doing it for mm-hmm. eight rounds. Like he's hitting the body until the fight is over, whether yeah. it's a finish or it goes the distance. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think like we haven't seen anybody do that to Terrence Crawford in his entire career. You know, and I don't think it's just because, oh, he's just so agile. It's just because people have had the, the, the either the wrong skill set to fight him or the wrong game plan. Oh, Fuck, so, dude, I hate talking to you about this because you're actually like making me lean against my own uh, judgment. Nah, here. nah, nah. Fuck that. <laughs> hey, 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 stand on he your square. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> hey, stand on your square because I'm going to no, call you I'm, I'm, shit. Yeah, go with your gut. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm, literally, I'm literally starting to think like about... How did Prince Nassim Hamed lose that last fight? It was literally because he started eating body shots body early shots. on and it slowed down the footwork. And that was That's just what the it does. Beginning Get of the, the end, wheels man. off him. Yeah. Uh, 
If your footwork that. is over with, bro, it's it's a wrap. And you're Errol sitting Spence, duck. Errol Spence doesn't depend on you know he's gonna come forward because what it is is so I seen them talking about the black fighters in Texas. You know Texas got a lot of Mexicans. They like it's like a black mixed with a Mexican style because they come forward. The Mexican fighters come forward. Yep. You know he don't he don't have the the Floyd Mayweather that Vegas Midwest. You know what I'm saying that type of style. Where he's, he's not a, he's not an outside fighter. He's not, bro. He's coming to get your ass, yeah. and he's been doing it. You know what I'm saying? I, I've never. But what's seen funny him. is like the way that he uses, it, like he's not like a typical forward pressure fighter in the way that like he's sloppy with it and constantly moving forward. Like he pushes you forward throughout the entire fight and keeps you at the edge of his punches, which is yeah. just deceptive and horrible as an opponent. <laughs> bro, they a really good job of cutting angles, getting in there, right in the pocket. It's really bro. fun to watch. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny from Yelp, folks. Johnny Villanueva, Mexico here, one hundred percent amigo. <laughs> Get Shout out, we got the whole Yelp gang here. What's Let's go. We back, man. Um, <laughs> but when when it comes to uh, the pressure, and, and when Nano, you was talking about he's in the pocket. I just seen something where he was like, "I'm in the pocket all of the time, but you don't never really see me taking big shots like that." So my defense has to be a one. So in the pocket, he has he has the advantage as well. You know what I'm saying? Like we haven't seen Terrence Crawford really fight in the pocket like that against against somebody that can fight as well and duck as many shots in the pocket or take as many shots oh, in yeah. the pocket as him. So I don't I don't know, bro. I'm 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 excited about it though. You know what I'm saying? I I may be, I may be bashing uh, Terrence Crawford, but if he was fighting anybody else, I'll be rooting for Terrence Crawford. I'm actually a fan of him, even though it doesn't sound like it. But I was gonna I, say it's yeah. shit, dude. I hate to see someone you don't like. <laughs> I, bro, I He's like, yeah, Terrence Crawford's a piece of shit, but I'm a fan. He's great, just, though. He's great. Him, though. <laughs> I I just I just haven't seen him fight nobody, bro. Like fair, fair. I've I've literally haven't seen like I could be sitting on uh the plane going to Vegas. Uh, next to his last two, three, four, five, six opponents, I wouldn't even know who the fuck these guys were. You know what I'm I saying? I mean, Amir Khan and Jeff Horn are probably the two most notable names that he's beat, other than Sean Porter. Uh, but, but I, I discredit the Sean Porter win because, like you said, here he beat a, he beat an already beaten Sean Porter. So it's funny you brought up um, Amir Khan. Amir Khan was knocked out three times before that. Before you <laughs> fought, bro. I didn't say that he beat him at the right time, bro. I just said that's probably the most notable name he's beaten. <laughs> Yeah, bro. Nah, don't don't bring him up. I seen something with his <laughs> his his trainer, bro. Look, his trainer uh, for that fight was Virgil Hunter. Virgil Hunter is from the Bay Area. He's from Oakland. He's uh he's actually um, fun fact. That's Keisha Cole Daddy, but that's a whole other story. Anyways, but um Virgil Hunter. That's another was, story for another podcast. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Virgil Hunter was uh, Andre Ward's uh, trainer. Okay, for his career. So after Andre Ward retires or whatever, it might have been while he was still fighting, whatever. He's training Amir Khan. He told Amir Khan, don't take this fight. You're not ready for this fight. You know what I'm saying? Because as a trainer, it's like if your fighter fights, that's like, that looks bad on your resume as well. Absolutely, you know so especially if they're losing over and over again. Come on, especially get your ass knocked out like Amir Khan got his ass knocked out. So it's, it's one of those situations where I'm like, when people bring Hate up to Amir see Khan, I'm like, bro, you, you're, you're bringing up... so. I would love to see the odds of Terrence Crawford's last 10, 15 fights. He was, he, was, he was supposed to win every single fight. I don't think any of those fights he was the underdog, bro. 
You know what I'm saying? So what so you're I, saying is this one's going to be no different because he's supposed to win this one too. Yeah, it's he's supposed to win this one, but <laughs> yeah, it's not it's it's not going to happen, bro. It's not. I don't I don't see I don't see a, a avenue where he 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 wins this fight, man. Arrow's well, you heard long. it here first, folks. Cousin Kev TV just cannot see an, a path to victory for for my guy. Get yourself some plus odds and put it on Spence. You already man. know. I guess I guess that's the play to make, folks. Um, well, man, any anything else to add to to that beautiful kind of breakdown or breaking down of, <laughs> of one side of the fight? <laughs> nah, man. I'm, I'm I know you guys got to get to your MMA. Um, uh, go over, you know, the ultimate fight and, and, you know, I'm, I'm gonna stay tuned in, but thank you guys. You know, you guys are really my bros. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of times you work with people, y'all cooling the motherfucker at work. As soon as you guys stop working, y'all stop communicating. We always stay locked in. I love y'all. I love what y'all doing over here, man. And I appreciate y'all. And I'm coming to a UFC fight with you guys. That's the Let's next go. Point on my bucket Consider list. Consider it done. Slide now with my brodies, man. For real. Let's go. Let's we go, gotta make pal. it happen, appreciate brother. Appreciate you, brother. Um, appreciate should, we, you. should we do one shot live here before you head out? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know the vibes. Let's get it. And thanks again for joining, brother. Anytime there's a boxing fight, or even if it's a UFC fight that you're super hype about, if you want to hop on an episode. You know how to find me, and I'm more than happy to have you on, man. Oh, good, man. I appreciate y'all. So I picked a special shot glass. Let me let me let me let's put go. This let's go. Let's see this thing. Let me put this up for the camera, so you know my boy is. Oh, let's go. Let me see if I can get it to the. This is a. Ooh. Jamaican. Shot Ciao. Let's go. I see that flag. Because Errol Spence is Jamaican, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> Makes sense now. <laughs> Let's go for the hometown well, cheers kid. Cheers to that, folks. Salute. <laughs> love that. All right, now love it, I'll love it, love it. Hell yeah, brother. Well, have fun again, out there. Safe travels, man. Make sure you guys follow this guy. It is at Cousin Kev TV on Instagram. You're also on YouTube with the same handle, correct? Yes, sir. Beautiful, beautiful. You guys, again, thanks, Kevin, for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, we look forward to having you on, honestly, whenever the next time you uh, really, really want to be on is. I'm coming, I'm coming back for sure, man. Had a great time. Salute y'all, man. Love y'all. Love you you too, brother. Brother. We'll Much see you love. next time, man. Later. And we are back to your normal scheduled broadcasted programming with Olin and Nano. Um, dude, that was fucking fun. I oh my love gosh. That, guy. that hour flew by, man. Yeah, he had a lot of knowledge. Some good stories in there. I mean, man, if you're a boxing fan, there's some good golden nuggets throughout that hour that we went and covered. Shout out, Kev, man. That was awesome. And, and shout I was out on to the, the fence, folks in the but... chat. Sorry to cut you off there, bro. We got Drew doing a shot of tequila poured up with us. Let's we got go. Johnny V coming in with the Jalisco chug for us. Sheesh. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Um, you love to hear it. And and shout out to the new listeners too. Listen to the Difference Podcast. Hashtag LTTD. Appreciate you coming in. Uh, wait, we got a donation. So we actually owe the crowd another shot. Let's go. Let's go. I'll do a shot for St. Jude. Hell Absolutely. Yeah. Always. Let's shout out. go. And we got a new follower, Insane369. Thank you for the follow. 
Insane in the membrane. Keep it going. Great to Insane have you. Insane in the brain. Insane got no brain. I, I love that when you put it down, I pick it up. When I put it down, you pick it up. I mean, it's, you know the vibes. You know the vibes, baby. And cheers to another St. Jude's Children's Hospital Research donation. Thank you, guys. Woo. I'll definitely put some hair on your chest. Woo. Love all it. right. So, all right. Uh, we have some things, some stuff and thanks to talk about here. And those things are USA things. So, uh, jumping into UFC London. Holy smokes. Honestly, um, I, I, I did think it was a solid card. I did think it was going to be more solid of a card than it turned out to be. Um, quick couple of shout outs though about the card. Jafel Filo submission round one, three minutes and 26 seconds in guy looked like an absolute fucking animal against Daniel yeah. Perez. He's Great a guy. job to him. He's a guy. He's a dog. Um, a dog. I'll tell you someone who might not be as much of a dog as we had all hoped. Shauna Bannon, big fan of her. Um, really enjoyed her Invicta fights. But I'm not so sure that she is UFC ready yet. Um, this didn't look as physical as she needed to be in there, right? A lot of the strikes, I think the commentary was kind of, I don't know if they were making me biased, but definitely just did not look like there's a lot of steam on those punches. You know, just did not seem to be fully there. And when she and boy, did she get pieced up by Brana Brazil. Maybe just a better showcasing on her end. You know, we got to give her credit, but Shauna just didn't have a lot for her, huh? She was getting absolutely pelted in there, if I'm being completely honest. It, um, oh, excuse me, um, shots fighting back. Uh, so <laughs> it looked like, and and this might be insulting to some practitioners of martial arts. I don't mean any insult. I mean it sheerly as just a, an observation. I've seen quite a number of times where in sparring, you get someone that's done like point fighting stuff, like karate or taekwondo, and then they come in and they end up going against somebody who's done a couple of Muay Thai tournaments. And they're sparring 50%. And even if they're going 50%, you can tell that there's a major discrepancy in what's happening and what's taking place. That's what it looked like. Bruna Brazil looked like somebody that's done BJJ and Muay Thai, and she was hitting with major power. Whereas her opponent, I mean, she, Shauna Bannon was, was good, but she wasn't great. And what she was doing was, it was flashy. It looked good, but it wasn't great, right? It wasn't doing any actual damage at all on the mark. She was throwing axe kicks and like stepping side kicks, a lot of spinning, spinning wheel kicks that were way off the mark, not even close to connecting. Uh, honestly, not even in the same zip code as the fight was taking place. Sometimes it just it looked like there was a major discrepancy in skill. And I, I think that maybe she needs to go back to the drawing board, maybe find some new sparring partners that are going to give her some different looks that maybe those same old tricks aren't working on because if if it didn't work against Bruno Brazil, it's probably not going to cut it against anybody else in the top 15. Yeah, it's facts. I mean, like you said, I, I, the, some of the striking was there. I mean, there was some fun techniques, but a little off the mark, a little sloppy at times, obviously, as the as the rounds went on and as she started to take more damage, you just seen it start to go down, downhill from there. No ground game at all. Love to see that she was busy, but there was this, she had, again, nothing for her. Um, Brandon Brazil, great outing. I'm excited to see what's next for her. But yeah, there seems to obviously be sort of a, a teardrop, right? And that's in every division, every class. There's going to be, you know, levels to this game. And I think we kind of seen um, a little bit more of a true level mark for um, our girl Shauna here. Hopefully she bounces back. 
Oh, I don't know if we get a... Uh, are you muted, brother? Amateur hour here, folks. Um, yeah, <laughs> gotcha. definitely not the best showing for her. I, I definitely think she will bounce back. She has a lot of good backing behind her. She's coming out of Ireland, which, um, speaking of Ireland, rest in peace, Sinead O'Connor. Um, definitely sad to hear the news of that, of her passing today. One of the most iconic walkouts of all time with Conor McGregor, um, unfortunately, right before he got blasted by Khabib. Um, <laughs> just got to call a spade a spade here, folks, on the MMA Anomaly Show. It's called No Filter for a Reason. And, uh, you know, that's just another one of the reasons there. Speaking of which, folks, we officially have hit our St. Jude donation of 100 bucks. Super stoked on that. Let's um, go. Thank you for those thank of you, you that all. did donate. We really, really appreciate it. Um, I know for a fact that Miss Mary and Amy both donated, so I appreciate you both very, very much. And anybody yeah. else that donated, um, if I didn't shout you out, please shout yourself out in the chat, man. Give yourself a Let pat on know. the back so we can give you a pat on the back. Uh, and, you know, as as Homelander says... You guys are the real heroes. So jumping into the next fight, um, again, we're going to skip through a little bit here. Catlin Vieira versus Panny Kinzad did not go the way I thought it was going to go at all. And we're just going to skip right past that one. Um, man, honestly, a lot of those fights on the prelims were very, very weird fights. The Joel Alvarez fight, I definitely think was a weird one. I think that headbutt caused the setup to the ending. And, um, Man, like, thanks, Miss Mary. I appreciate it. She said, we love supporting our guys and a great cause. Honestly, the best women in the whole wide world. We love you two so very much. Facts. Um, Again, like, dude, Mark the Acasey versus Joel Alvarez. That headbutt definitely set up the finish for Joel Alvarez, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely what it felt like, huh? I mean, he he clipped him right on the head. He You visibly saw Mark the Acasey, like, like motion to the ref, like headbutt, headbutt. And the ref ignored it. The fight continued on and the stoppage came soon after. Again, I feel like that set it up and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is, man. That's the way that it happens sometimes. In the next fight, we had Daniel Marcos coming in against Davey Grant. I honestly thought Davey Grant did enough to win that fight. It was uh, 70 strikes to 49, 70 significant strikes to 48. Uh, I mean... Both guys landed at a pretty low clip, 34% to 32%. One guy got one takedown, the other guy zero out of one. But again, like in a fight that razor thin, you got to go to the strikes. I, I mean, oh, dude, thank you for calling that out. Drew Toledo, again, on the No Filter Podcast, even if we're wrong and I put my foot in my mouth, I will gladly admit that I was wrong and eat shit live here. So <laughs> the Sinead O'Connor live walkout was actually against Mendez, not Khabib. So mm. I take it back. Not only was it one of the best walkouts of all time, but possibly one of the better comebacks in a UFC main event of all time. Hell um, yeah. The reason I said in a main event is because the Matt Schnell, Sue Darji fight <laughs> exists. And um, that was just a fucking ridiculous comeback. Absolutely. But man, that Conor McGregor comeback against Chad Mendez was disgusting. Yeah, that's funny. That's a good one. That is up there, man. It good is. Reference. Um, so, uh, obviously, there was a couple of other fights that stood out to me. I think the main three fights, though, that really stood out, or main four fights, sorry, were Paul Craig coming in against Andre Muniz. He ate a headbutt as well. There was a lot of headbutts going on on Saturday, folks. Yeah, unfortunate. Um, I don't know what the hell was happening with all the headbutts. But, honestly, it, it happens, uh, unfortunately, in this sport, especially when two people are shooting for takedowns or one person is shooting for a takedown and the other person is attempting to negate that takedown by sprawling. Um, 
However, Paul Craig came in against Andre Muniz and it's like he added a new ripple to his game or two rather. He learned how to do takedowns instead of just fighting off of his back to get the submission. And he added, because he had top position, he added ground and pound to his game, folks. What did you, you think good. of that, Nano? I thought it was a really good outing by our boy Paul Craig, man. He looked phenomenal at the new weight class, a debut against another strong grappler, another strong submission artist, and just a strong guy, right? Andre Muniz looks to be very strong, very awkwardly built. But, man, Paul Craig made him uh, look like easy work out there, right? I mean, got him to the ground. As soon as he went down there, Andre Muniz had his moments, but Paul Craig, man, left no chance and uh, just went out there and absolutely pulverized the guy. And then, uh, you know, got the finish. We were all ex- not necessarily expecting, but when it's a Paul Craig fight, you know, it's, that's more likely than not going to happen. And, man, that was a huge statement for our boy, man. I mean, he looked great. I'm curious to know how he felt going in there, if that weight cut's going to be okay for him moving forward. But, boy, that was fun. And now anyone's now, he can get it with anyone. Who's going to want that, right? No one's going to want to. He might get that Islam or, or uh, that Zabit treatment. Or no one's going to want to fight him for a long time. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he, I could definitely see him getting that treatment for sure. Um, the the best thing about it is like, dude, he just looks so good. And it was his first fight in this new weight class too, right? So like, it's one thing if that happens in a weight class he's been fighting at for all these years, but he's a big guy in a small weight class now. He was always a small guy in a bigger weight class. So dude, kudos to him for that. Um, when you see guys go down, a lot of times it's not good like that. So great job. Landed at a 53% clip overall on total strikes. Went two for two on takedowns. Looked really strong. And then in the post-fight presser, he actually had a really nice call-out. I don't know if you heard that, but he called out Bo Nickel. Ooh, that'd be fun. He's like, nobody wants to fight him. I'm a guy. I'll fight him. I'm a guy. Is is Bo in the top 15 yet? No. So both guys would technically be unranked. Or maybe is Paul ranked Unless Andre... I think Andre Muniz was ranked. Let me see. Let's see. UFC rankings in. Let's see. Show me middleweight. Andre Muniz is now not ranked. Or no, he was not ranked, and he's 14, it says. So he was mm. not ranked before the fight, but now it shows that he's 14. So maybe <laughs> they did that so that way they can bolster him. And then uh, maybe bump Paul Craig into the the rankings it seems like a weird play from the UFC, but I mean I've, they I've moved seen Paul weirder. Craig up to ninth overall in the light heavyweight, so and they moved him up a spot, tied with Ryan Spann. So I guess yep. they just gave him the nod there. Maybe they don't expect him to go there fully. Maybe. Insane, doing good, hey, doing great actually. You know, it's a a fun upcoming pay per view fight card. We got boxing as well. It's a beautiful week. I got a newly uh, cool AC here in my house, so life is good. This guy <laughs> just spent a lot of money to keep cool this summer, so uh, oh, let's man. cheer him on. This um, Arizona, he got the best of us. Might need to start my which, own little <laughs> donation. How, how's that AC, man? Is it uh, is it putting the air in Arizona? It's silent, and it is uh, it is cool, baby. Like Sub-Zero, you know. I was waiting to make that bad dad joke <laughs> the entire episode. There we go. <laughs> You got it. Just just only an hour in. He <laughs> finally got around to it. Just only an hour in. Just only an hour in. You know, uh, I had to do it to him. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the pay-per-view coming up this weekend and the UFC is it's a hell of a pay-per-view to compete with uh, the Terrence versus Craw- or Terrence, uh, Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence fight. Jesus Christ. I'm so excited about both. I'm like fucking mixing up names and shit. Oh, but man. A lot honestly, of good dude, fights. Like, Have two TVs fights. ready. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely have two TVs ready, have two streaming services ready to go. Uh, and mm-hmm. we'll be covering the pay-per-view in its entirety in tomorrow's episode, obviously, as usual on Thursday. Um, jumping into this next fight, though. So, obviously, I think Paul Craig versus Bo Nickel is probably the fight to make, right? Oh, absolutely. That'd be so okay. fun. Yeah. I th- yeah. Tough I, I think matchup that would be a for Bo. Fight. That's not a fun pick. That's not a picnic by any means. That's a tough it's outing. Not a, it's not a walk in the park. And, I mean, Paul nope. Craig, like I said, he looked really, really strong at middleweight. Yeah. No, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. 6'3". I mean, yeah, that's that's tough. Now, we, we got to address the elephant in the room here. We had Nathaniel Wood coming in against Andre Touchy Feely. Andre Feely went on the record to say that he thought he did enough to win that fight. He um, landed about 30, maybe 25 less strikes across the distance. Uh, but as we know, these fights are measured per round, not across the, the entirety. I actually had it being pretty close. As a big Andre Touchy Feely fan, I try to take my heart and feelings out of these. Uh, when I'm watching the fights, I went back and rewatched the fight. On initial watch, I actually thought Philly won it. On rewatch, um, just kind of taking my uh, my emotional cap off and putting my judging hat on, I uh, I truly thought that it it, it was a Nathaniel Wood win. Um, very very close fight. Not by any means do I think that it was uh, a, a landslide victory, nor do I think that it was. Um, you know, a robbery. But curious to think like, or to see like, who did you have winning that fight? I mean, going into it, I was hoping for touchy feely for sure. So my lens throughout the fight was, I I hope he's doing enough. Right. But it was really mostly hope based. It was not throughout the fight that I feel like Andre touchy feely was really winning. I think might've been maybe that first round or the second, the first two were a bit of a toss up, but it did feel like there was a point in that second round where Nathaniel Wood really started to get his groove. And a lot of the punches that he was landing, even if they maybe weren't as much, really starting to pay dividends on a, on a guy, Andre Touchy-Feely, who frankly just has more miles, has more wear and tear. Um, and, and Nathaniel would look good. He looked strong. I mean, at first, I thought the size concern, I thought the length was going to be a problem. But he proved to be able to you know be resilient and get himself into favorable positions, still find some control time. And ultimately, just found the way I felt like found a way to just get the better out of each of those exchanges and with a little bit more heavier damage and just look sharper. You know, I, I think they made the right decision. Um, but boy, was I ruined for Andre touchy feeling and he made it as all bit of fun and interesting as you can. Um, but there's no stopping this guy. He's, you know, uh, Nathaniel Woods going to the moon, man. He's, he's ready. He's, he's someone that's, that's serious. I mean, very technically sound, uh, very humble in there. You know, I think he did mention he got rocked at one point. Uh, probably the I, hardest I he's been hit. I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Very human, human-esque. You got to appreciate the the humbleness there. Um, yeah, I think he's very talented, man. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be very good there. It got me a little wobbly. It's like, oof. See size. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a fun fight. Uh, but he definitely did enough to win. I mean, it wasn't a split decision. And that was, you know, everyone saw it the same way. It was a 2-1 for sure. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, like I, I literally just did a poll here in the live chat on Twitch while we're running this live stream and uh, all of the votes went for Nathaniel Wood. So at least the viewers of this podcast thought that Nathaniel Wood got the win. So the right man won on Saturday. Um, no need to cry over over spilt milk. Spilt milk. I love that. Yep. Uh, Molly McCann versus Julia Stolyarenko. Man, that couldn't have gone any different uh, <laughs> than I expected it to. And I, I think Molly McCann really got fraud checked in a big way. I think um, 
if you've ever seen those Brazilian jiu-jitsu dummies, probably have better better uh, defense than Molly McCann showed in that fight. And I, I'm saying that jokingly, but I'm also saying that in a very realistic manner, folks. If you're watching the video rendition of this stream, um, I'm going to go ahead and show this one more time because it has been a while since I've shown it. Uh, copyright disclaimer. Here we go. All right, folks, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and just roll a video here. Going to have it played through a couple of times while I explain what is happening for the video viewers here. So pay attention. Here we go. So as you can see here, um, we have Molly McCann in a grappling exchange. What she's, uh, what, I mean, the big thing that leads to the issue here is a toe in the cage that helps Julia Solyranko set up the right positioning. However, still wrong positioning. She can't do anything unless Molly lifts her hips. Oh, no. Molly lifts her hips. So what does she do wrong? She actually pops up, which sets up the arm bar for her opponent. Had she actually just weighted down on her hips, it would have been exponentially harder for Julia Solyarenko to muscle up and make this happen. But Molly McCann ends up, again, I'm going to let this play through one more time. So again, from the beginning, what sets this up is toes in the cage right here. You can see in the circle, toes in the octagon cage. Uses that to flip position, set up the arm bar. Boom. You can see that she shoves the leg off to the side, isolates the arm, is hugging it around here, and then boom, pulls. She didn't even have a solid grip here, but because Molly McCann gives her what she needs and throws her bottom half into the air, she sacrifices the arm for Julia Soliarenko, now currently known as the arm collector. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it was clockwork for her. She made it happen not only in less than a round, but in less than two whole minutes. Minute and 55 seconds into round one makes it look easy, folks. What were your thoughts on that performance by not only Julia Stelliarenko, but also the meatball Molly McCann? That's crazy. Yeah, great performance by Julia. Um, you know, it surprised me. And unfortunately, meatball Molly, yeah, got exposed. Did not pass the test. She failed with uh, flying colors there. Yeah, I guess my thing is I'm curious, you know, and, and me being a, a casual and not knowing anything on the ground there, when you're in that position, she's she's yanking your arm. I don't know if maybe she didn't realize the fence was right there, but even with that in mind, why are you going to try to flip over it and almost give her a better wit, uh, position to isolate the arm? You have no more leverage. Felt maybe she was panicky. Maybe it was already in or it started to slip in, and that was her... Maybe just body's way of like, let me jump out of here. But I am curious. I, I didn't see that being advantageous. Even that fence wasn't there, right? Or was? what are your thoughts? Because it even felt if, like that wasn't the right move. Even if the fence isn't there, that's not really the right move, right? Like you're already on top. So like what you're supposed to do is <clears throat> if you're going against a triangle choke, which is set up in the same exact positioning and same exact kind of step-by-step -step process that you would utilize to set up an arm bar, you want to stack on your opponent because if you stack on them they're not able to pull and extend your body to choke you out if you're on an arm bar you want to pull up or sorry opposite opposite you want to pull up if you're on a triangle because then they have to really muscle up on you in order to get it and then if you're an arm bar you want to basically like lean on them and pressure on them because they can't extend your arm and pull it out of socket so she did worst case scenario like she's on top she has good positioning julia stoliarenko did have her arm she had a wrist she had it almost like a, a single grip on it and she was hugging it 
against her chest, which is a, a maneuver that Ronda Rousey used to do. She would say that she would get the wrist pinned between her breasts and then she would just hug it in a cross and use her chest lock to basically rip their arm out of socket. Uh, when she would lean back, she'd let her body do all the mechanics. Most people will get baseball two-on-one grips. They call it baseball grips because as you notice, it's like a baseball bat grip, right? Two-on-one. So you get that on the wrist and then you pull down on it. So if you notice in the video, Julia only had one arm holding her. She didn't have a double baseball grip. Nothing about it was beautifully set. Nothing about it was set in stone and nothing about it was threatening. What made it threatening was Molly doing everything wrong in that specific moment. She panicked, as you said. She kicked her feet up. And in doing so, she gave away what little leverage she had in that positioning. Her using her ass and her hips and her leg weight to just weight down would have made it exponentially harder for Julia to actually isolate and pull that arm up and do anything real with it. Uh, so again, huge deficit on knowledge of the ground game for Molly McCann. She went into that fight and, and again, like I say this as a Molly McCann fan, she did everything wrong. Everything wrong in that fight. Uh, she landed six out of 16 strikes. Big fan of the number 616. Not great when it's in that form. Um, again, just overall, not a stellar performance for her. I'd like to think that she has a much better performance in the future. But even if she goes down to to, to straw weight, I don't know that things are going to be different if she doesn't change her ground game up. Yeah, she's definitely have to make some improvements there. I mean, there needs to be some legitimate uh emphasis there right and and it, we may not see it in another year or two but you got to constantly be drilling that in even if you're outside of camp you got to be doing your gi work or non-gi work um mma training i mean she knows how to beat people up she knows how to throw her fists but you got to get that groundwork going 100 percent has the stand a chance i mean she has a notoriety and maybe she can still you know write out this contract get a couple more big fights in the uk but she wants to make a serious run at things. She's got to really tighten things up, hundred percent. And I mean, that's the thing is, like, if she wants to make a run at this, that's one thing. If she just wants to keep having fights that she thinks are fun fights, I mean, that's totally fine. Like, but that's that's going to be a very different situation for you, right? Like, have fun fights, but don't don't like trick yourself into thinking that you're you're going to be a title contender if you are not going to truly focus and work on your ground game to where you know that you feel confident in its improvements. And right now. It's just simply not there. That's facts. Yeah, she's, I mean, it's levels. And again, Julia is a great competitor. I mean, she's starting to become known as the armbar girl. She's snatching arms there, collecting them like the predator as her uh, skeletons in the closet there. But yeah, um, it's tough, right? I mean, you got to know that's what she's going to do, though. And you get caught with it. It's like, ah, what are we doing here? It's tough. And that's, that's the hardest part of this game, right? Is like seeing people that you really enjoy watching fight just get caught like that it's, it's tough it's really tough um facts but at the same time you got to ask yourself um is she doing the right things to make improvements and otherwise like you can't really feel bad for her right um that being said what is next for her opponent julia soliranko do you think that we see her fight somebody um, in the top 15 next, or do you think the Molly McCann fight was just kind of a, a once off for her and, and they'll probably just kind of dwindle her down? Yeah. I mean, you, you think if you're Dana and you're the matchmakers, you got to think, Hey, this is a girl who, you know, beat somebody with a lot of momentum that had, that did have a lot of hype. 
can she bottle it up and take it with her? I mean, she's not the most sellable fighter, but that is, I mean, she's a specialist, right? I mean, that is a, a big name to get. Um, like I said, maybe if it's not someone in the 15, maybe it is someone around that range. Obviously, like we've talked about in the past, it always boils down on timing, who's available, who has dance partners coming up. Um, but to be honest, I mean, there's not a, a ton of names there, or, or should I say the names that I'm looking at in the top 15, top 10, I mean, Julissa's a problem for a lot of those women. So it can be anybody in the top 15 or top 20 um, that can really look at Julissa on paper and say, okay, this, this is a tough girl. This is a tough matchup. Yeah, she's been knocked out. I mean, any, I mean, anybody could. Anything could happen. But coming off these two wins, she's going to be a, a very strong, very confident fighter and a problem for a lot of these women. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can't disagree with that. Uh, I think she will possibly be a big problem for some of these women. I think when she does get into the top tier opponents, the footwork, the um, negation abilities of wrestling is going to prove to be a big problem for her, if I'm being real. But I definitely think she's deserving a top 15 opponent, uh, maybe not a top 10 outside of Molly McCann. Um, because let's be honest, Molly McCann was just in in the rankings because of her Barstool Sports Association, or, or sorry, her association with Barstool Sports as well as her association with Patty Pimblett. Um, so yeah, not really sure what's next for Molly, possibly outside of the UFC though, maybe send her to Invicta or Bellator. Actually not Bellator, Bellator is getting pretty much liquidated. Um, but yeah, that'll be another story for tomorrow's podcast. We'll go over some of the MMA news as well as UFC 291. Absolutely. Uh, but before we news. do that, we got to jump into that main event, the main event of the evening from Saturday's car. We had Mr. Marcin Tibora coming in against Tommy Espinal. Tommy Espinal. Bro, the fucking man, the myth, the legend, Tommy Espinal. I mean, let's just let's just look at it, guys. Again, we do not own the rights to these videos. You can see it in the top right. Compliments of the good old house of mouse. ESPN Plus. UFC, you can watch it oh, on UFC Fight Pass, you oh. can watch it on ESPN Plus, but look at the stepping elbow, folks. The way that he steps into that elbow, step shuffle right elbow, boom, stutters him, boom, boom, boom. right hand right Quick on the money, one, huh? two. Oh, But if he gosh. didn't throw the one, the two wouldn't have connected. He pushes Ooh. him back just a little hair, boom, one, boom, back. boom. The jab was basically a setup just to put the right right on the money, huh? It's all just Jeez. a setup now to get up, baby. He literally hit him so oh, fucking quick, bro. Oh, he my said, gosh. He throws some fast hands, doesn't step he? Step elbow and then hit him with a 3-1-2. Three, 3-1-2. Two. Three, two. Boom, boom, boom. You don't even notice the threes there until you've watched the replay three times, bro. I'm saying that as a, as, as a, as a fucking like, non-amateur watcher, bro. Like The three comes so quick after mm-hmm. the step shuffle elbow hits. Step shuffle elbow, three one, two. Yep. And that's why the whole thing worked. The three set him up for the one, two. He didn't see the one coming. Every, like everything is picture perfect. Boom, what boom, a boom. beast. So it's big. Just, he moves so fast, so explosive and so accurate, right? With those little I could gloves. I watch that over and over and over again. And that's what we were saying going into this fight last week. The man is a 250 plus pound fighter, but he fights as if he's 180 pounds. He's light on his feet, man. Floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee, doesn't he? Let's go. Man, some heavy strikes. They all have purpose. They all are accurate. You know, I mean, that right shot landed right in between the gloves. Marston 
uh, Marcin was was covering himself. He wasn't totally he wasn't doing you know, the wrong out of it, but snuck right in there. I mean, granted, they're small gloves, but you got to have really good accuracy and you got to have a knack for finding the chin. And boy, did he find that chin. Absolutely, man. Uh, and and again, looking at the the rankings here, it's showing that Marcin Tibura has moved up one ranking into 10th and Tom Aspinall has moved down one ranking into 5th. Very weird things happening with the UFC rankings right now, folks. I feel like they're setting up some things. Sergey Pavlovich, however, is still number one ranked. Um, Stipe sitting at number three. You got to think they're probably going to set up Tommy Aspinall against Sergey Pavlovich in a number one title eliminator fight. Yeah. Do they want to burn both of their potential stars in a, in a possible Icarus effect? Um, I mean, what else I, do you do, right? I mean, I guess because you, you got Cyril and you got Spivak coming up here in September. Do you wait to make something or do you just say, hey, I mean, this guy's. I mean, well, the last time Pavlovich fought is when he beat Blades back back in April. So not too long ago. The timing can work if Tom's ready and willing to get in there. That is a huge, tough challenge. I think if you're Tom, like he said, I mean, he wants to wait for Tom or wait for John Jones, excuse me, or the the winner of that fight, which that fight is going to be. November, December. I mean, the UFC doesn't wait. That's the thing. And, and that's the thing wait. is like they don't want to wait with a superstar or a potential superstar like they have right now in Tom. So that's Aspen. another pay-per-view or at least a fight night main card. I mean, at that's least a, headline. a headliner. Yeah. Yeah, it's a headliner for a main or for a for a fight night for damn sure. Um, for there's damn a couple sure. names that float around that you could put him against. The biggest names for me, like if you're not going to put him against Sergey Pavlovich, if you're not going to put him against somebody in the top five, give him Jonathan Almeida. Whoa. That'd be a big one. Jalton Almeida is the only other person I can think of outside of Sergey Pavlovich and Tommy Aspinall that is over 250 pounds, yet somehow moves faster than I do at 190. Like, um, yeah. it's, it's honestly insane how fast these guys are able to move. And Jalton Almeida, not only that, but how fast he's able to finish people. That's another problem that Tommy Aspinall has. What happens when you put a guy, or rather two guys, that typically finish most of their fights in five to seven minutes in there against each other? With 25 minutes on the clock. Is it two guys that have earned? Finish? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, oh man. For as long as that fight uh, is, man, for as long as it lasts, that's going to be a fun one. Holy cow. I think it's a really, really fun one. I think that's, that's got fireworks written all over it. I don't think, like, again, that's another one of those where do they want to burn the Icarus effect on them? That's because the thing. Because if you, like, if you don't give Jalton Almeida to him, like, what's next for Jalton Almeida? Fucking tied to Ivasa? What are you going to do? I was just going to say, even for Tom, I mean, at least, at least that's a big name. You know, a tied to Ivasa, he's a staple. Hasn't, isn't necessarily in that top tier, but it's crowded and the timing of it isn't ideal. But Sergey's number one, though. right? Yeah. Oh, that, oh, it's horrible. No, it's bad news, Bears. And yeah, Sergey's number one, and his, the last person he knocked out was uh, Curtis Blades. And before that, it was Ty. I guess maybe even Curtis. I wonder what they're doing with Curtis, but Tom can try to get that back. Maybe and make That's, it again. That was my thought is maybe try and remake that fight. Maybe. Cause like that's, I think that's the closest or the best shot we have at seeing Tom go 25 minutes against somebody. But even then it's tough night at the office for both men. I mean, especially after blades losing to Sergey, like it doesn't really help Tom at all. I mean, yeah, you're chasing your, you know, you're avenging your loss, but at the same time, like, you see You'd Sergei have to go in there, there and beat him better than Sergey. Yeah, it doesn't. It puts you in the same spot. It doesn't put you higher or lower. 
Where Sergey, you know that I mean, if, especially maybe like like you said, maybe they are up to something. They moved a couple people down, moved Sergey up because maybe they do want to make that a number one title eliminator. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I definitely could see that being the case. Um, a lot of sign different fights up. to make. I, so I, again, sign, yeah, sign me up, dude. Sign me up. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. A lot of great fights to be made, if I'm being honest. Um, but the greatest fights of all are going to be happening on Saturday. Between the best, boxing and the MMA. Freaking uh, rematch of all time. Oh, Justin my Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. Let's go. Folks, if you the don't Ustins. know, now you know. My God. Battle dude. of the like, Ustins. Battle of the Ustins. You got the Justin <laughs> versus the Dustin. You got the J versus the D. And then before yeah. that, folks, you got Jan Blachowicz going in against Alex Pajeda. Before then, you got Stephen Wonderboy Thompson coming against Michelle Pajeda. Honestly, the, the, the list Kevin goes on Holland's and on, Kevin Holland's in the mix. Come on, Kevin Holland's baby. in the mix. Jake Matthews coming in there against uh, uh, short notice fill-in and Darius Flowers. Okay. Um, huh? Dude, honestly, tons Fun of good one. fights. CJ Fergara's on there. Matthew, the Jedi, Semmelsberger, the Jedi Semi. Dude, Elka Kui's on this mother. Hot balls on this mo. Uh, Gabriel Bonfim. It's crazy when the card is so stacked, you forget that Derek Lewis is on there. Dude, hot balls. Come on, man. And the oh, better is Brandon Mavic not fighting brother? anymore? Oh, wait. Oh, she's just blocked off. Why can't I see her name on here? She's, so she has uh, she has accepted against another opponent like twice. I think they're still waiting to negotiate it. That's why it's not. Oh, jeez. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got the Jedi going against the medic, the doctor medic. Um, I mean, a dude whose last name is the medic or medic. Having a nickname the doctor is just hilarious. Like the doctor I mean, medic. It's fucking hilarious. Um again. It's fitting. You got Roman Kopilov coming back. Dude. Roman Kopilov is somebody that I definitely look forward to seeing fight. Um Yeah, man. I, this is this is again one of those cards that I feel like is stacked from top to bottom, in my humble opinion. And I'm looking forward to doing another episode with you tomorrow to go over the whole damn thing. Let's do it. I'm ready. Looking forward Let's go, to brother. it. Looking forward um, to seeing so, y'all here as well. Again, thanks to you folks that joined us today. Thanks to you that donated to the St. Jude's charity. We really appreciate it. And I know that they appreciate it. Every dollar goes to good use. And again, if you're new here or if you're returning, whether you're on Twitch, YouTube, or one of your uh, po- you know podcast streaming services that you love, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications, rate it if that's an option, do your thing. We appreciate you showing up and showing out best fans in the absolute world. And as always, keep the passion for martial arts alive, folks. We fucking love you guys.